moving your face away from the I'm adjusting my oh bits. God. Is that, is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Okay. Is that okay for you? Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, welcome everybody to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Balls. <laughs> Balderdash, not balls. Balderdash. <laughs> hey, you know, I was thinking today what would be a good uh, podcast for us to do would be to get uh, a couple other people on the line, either in person or just via phone or whatever, and actually play the Balderdash game. Oh, yeah. Because you can do that. You can do it online. And so if everyone kind of logged into a place online, we could actually play the Balderdash game. You know, it would also be really great. <clears throat> what? It's to not have to interact with other humans. No, I love that. I'm a, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm a little socially retarded. Well, yes. Oh, sorry, we're not supposed to use the R word. I'm a little socially... Why aren't we supposed to use the R word? I don't, I don't know, because political correctness... Because I, I read a book once that said that... Oh. I don't think to. retards care. I think people who... <laughs> I think I think white women don't like the word retard. <laughs> I don't know. I bet their parents don't like I think it it, it I think it, it depends like the nuance of how it's used is important. Yes, I uh, do too. Such as if I called you a Jesus lover, yeah. I uh, Jesus. you'd be like, that's accurate. But if I was like, oh, that friggin' Jesus lover, then it's like very negative. That's still not an insult to me. I know it's not to you, but, but <laughs> you know, you got your, you got your nuts tucked up way inside. Like, can't be harmed. Yep. That's true. But some people, like if you say it right, you're like, I know. Oh, stop I know. being such a Jesus lover. That's true. People will get really offended and then, it, but they don't think about it until like it's too late. And, yeah. And they already made it idiot of themselves. I know, but it, it's also a technical term. It just means that you're a little off. You're not actually, you wouldn't go up to someone that has a disability and call them retarded. Probably um, not. No, but like on, you know, um, certain cars, especially like sports cars, uh, you can have little add-on things that you can put in the ODM. And um, I think that's what it's called, the ODM, the little computer chip thing. And you can plug it in there and you can retard. It actually says retard. And, and you can retard like how much gas goes in or how fast the piston shoot and stuff like yeah, that. But that's an entirely different use of the word. No, but it, it's the concept like is... Like fire retardant doesn't mean that it's stupid when it comes to fire. <laughs> no, I mean, it does. <laughs> it makes the fire stupid on you, I guess. Mm, no, but... That's, but a, that's, a, that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea, of, I, I think the idea is, is that there's something a little off. So when you're changing something, you're retarding it a bit. So if there's something off, so... If I smashed my head into this wood post several times, I would be retarding myself. I guess that's you'd I'm also saying. be retarded. You were <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> All right, point proven. Thank you. Sorry, not PC. <laughs> Doesn't it's have so to be PC. That. Doesn't have to be PC. I don't know. In this age of elections and Ultron nonsense, yeah, and people being offended by everything. Yeah, you have to stand out. And not be no, offended I remember, by everything. This is not a new thing, no. I remember growing up in high school and junior high where we were going through this political correctness nonsense. and Not nonsense. Some of it's right. I think some of it's good and it makes us better a better society. But sure. sometimes it's, it's a little stretched. Like, yeah. like at one point when I was at Amazon, they were talking about um, words that we should try to like eliminate from a vocabulary the way we use them. And some of them, like for example, ones that actually make sense are things like using the terms master and slave when it comes to drives or 
um, leaders or whatever, because there, there is a very negative connotation to it and it's set up that way in a specific way. And, you know, it's kind of insensitive to how awful slavery was. And so I, I get that, that kind of makes sense. But then some ding dong decided that we needed to eliminate, uh, brown bag lunches because brown is bad. Brown is bad. The fuck are you talking about? It's like they're the paper bags are brown. It's just a factual thing. And it's common for people to take their lunches in a brown paper bag. Yeah. Which which is actually a great segue because here at beer, bourbon and balderdash, we think brown is beautiful, including what we're going to be drinking tonight. Big brown boys. <laughs> no, beer, bourbon, balderdash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Again, if, if if no one heard some of the earlier uh, episodes, and please don't listen to them, uh, when I was thinking about, like, website and email names and stuff, a lot of them were, like, BBB. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, we could do, like, BBB.com. And then I, like, looked up BBB.com. It's, like, big black, <laughs> like, it's, like, <laughs> kinky stuff. Not that mm. website in particular. But I was just kind of like, no, I don't. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it could be a good joke. They'd be like, it's oh, not, it's these not really. <laughs> chubby white guys that are drinking, talking nonsense. <laughs> I was looking for big black butts. <laughs> what a disappointment. Oh, man. <laughs> well, what do you got for us on the beer tonight, Johnny? Oh, yeah, because we do. I, I just I grabbed the whiskey and I almost fucked it all up. I, I still I don't know the, the order. I don't know. So beer first. Beer first. So, so this is another brought to you from New England, the New England states. And I actually bought this can because I love the name of the brewery. Uh, the brewery is Lord Hobo. Lord Hobo. And uh, I didn't realize it, but they're pretty broadly distributed. Um, they, the brewery is north of Boston, and it's pretty young. Um, they've only been brewing for seven years, uh, but they have a pretty good cult following. And this is actually their flagship beer, this double APA, okay. Boom Sauce. That's what they call it, Boom Sauce. Um, but I kind of picked these two. Like I liked the the color combination of the bottle of the whiskey and the bottle of the beer, yeah. or the can of beer with yeah. the gold and black and yeah, white. I thought that was kind of sexy. I thought about that exact same thing when yep. I grabbed them today. I was like, oh wait a minute, it's pretty matchy. nice, right? Matchy. Yeah, I did that on purpose. That wasn't by accident. <clears throat> really? I mean, Helen knows that I have no sense of style, but I can match colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got that, Johnny. Yes, barely. I mean, I don't always remember to put on underpants, but. <laughs> so funny. All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so tell us about APA, it a little bit. Double APA. Mm. Uh, their website says they use five different hops um, described as a. Con- I've, I've actually. Oh, I have had this. Mm. Oh, I did have this once, but I was drunk. So I don't remember. And this is, this is interesting, too. Uh, the can. <laughs> The can on their website shows uh, 7.8% alcohol. Yeah. Our cans are 8%. Oh. So the I, the uh, ABV is a little bit different, uh, which is good. It means they're actually paying attention to it and adjusting as needed. So I like that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, five different hops. It hits you with a strong tropical fruit flavors before mellowing to a finish of hints of earthiness. Each mm. subsequent taste opens up the dynamic layers of complexity ah. woven throughout this beer. Imagine fresh pressed fruit without the sweetness, perfect for the Saturday afternoon pick me up or the late night put you to sleep. Actually, it says gathering with friends, but put you to sleep. 
Just say percent. <laughs> just to make it go nappy time. I just yeah. drop a couple melatonins in mine. Yeah. And, uh, oh, is that how it works? That's right. I All right. Percocet. So here we go. Let's All right. Do this Percocet. Lovely. Ooh, it oh, smells and those, great. Those five hops are, are they listed? I like it when they do this. The mm. five hops. Uh, Warrior, Amarillo, Ella, Mosaic, <clears throat> and Falconer's Flight. Falconer's Flight. That's what it says. I've Car- used Warrior and Amarillo and Mosaic before in brewing, but I've never heard of Ella or Falconer's Flight. So that's a new one to me. All right. Are you going straight out of the can? You yeah, poured into it right? No, like it says Lord Hobo. So I'm Hobo. If I had a brown paper bag. Oh, shit. That's I would a good that. idea. How come I don't have a koozie? Yeah, I, I, have, like I, should, I need a, a koozie too. Like a koozie that I found on the street. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> that's a condom. What? No, that's not the same thing. <laughs> Are we drinking this uh, or what? Oh, hold on. I got an idea. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, it might not fit though. Oh, stretching it out. Um, oh. Oh, here we go. It's kind of like a condom oh. for your sunglasses. Hey, yo. Uh, it's a sunglass case. Hey, right? there you go. It's so thin, it does absolutely nothing. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh, that's good. Mm. That is yummy. Oh, yeah. Even chocolatey. Yeah, I got to put a little in a glass because um, it's hard to taste at, or smell out, out of the can. Pour one out for your homies. Yeah. Mm. It's really bright and clear. It's like yellow, straw colored. But it even tastes bright too. It has like a chocolate, like there's a chocolatey taste right Mm -hmm. when it hits my mouth. Mm -hmm. But after that, it kind of opens up into a very floral, um, bright flavor. This is delicious. Mm -hmm. This is super The the head on it's like bright white. It's like almost brilliant white, which is very Mm -hmm. impressive on a beer like this. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Nice job, Lord Hobo. That is is dangerous. There is nothing cheap about this beer in terms of the quality. I don't actually remember how much it costs. I think I stole it out of St. Ed and Bill's fridge. Oh. <laughs> well, they have good taste. Oh, well, what's really funny about it is they bought it for me. Oh. Uh, Seda doesn't really drink beer. And Bill pretty much only drinks yellow beers like PBR. That's his go-to at home. So they picked it up for me to drink while I was there. Interesting. So, because they love me. Yeah, it sounds like it. They're, they're good peeps. <laughs> Yeah. And unfortunately, they'll never listen to this because they're not invest- invested in anyone but themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's that's not true. They're wonderful oh people. Oh, my God. I'm not deleting that. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> they're great. They're the ones that I like, that I go, I'll, I'll spend the weekend at their house and help them with projects and we hang out and get high and watch football. That sounds great, too. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. Um, All right. Should we but move on? What? Should we move on to the bourbon? Well, tell yeah, me about is... well, tell me about your day. I want to actually kind of savor this a little bit more mm. instead of this uh, is nice. Oh, I, my day thing. was my day was a day. It was a normal day. Not good. Not bad. Just in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I had some good moments. Uh, I didn't hate my day. So I don't know. Okay. Had some good chit chats with my friends. Kept the kids at bay. Good deal. So nothing, nothing too exciting. Booked a hotel for Kansas City for Thanksgiving time. That's super exciting. This is like really, I know that our listeners really want to hear this. Shit. Kansas City for Thanksgiving? I thought you were going to Tulsa. We are, but flights to Kansas City were direct from Seattle. Yeah. And cheaper, a lot cheaper. So we decided that we're going to fly to 
to Kansas City. Okay. Stay the night and then go to Boulevard Brewing Company. Oh. Because Boulevard Brewing Company is one of my favorite breweries ever. And I've never been there. Hey. Um, you might have seen it. I don't know. I don't think we've ever done it, but they make a beer called Tank 7. Okay. It's a farmhouse ale. And it mm. is like, it's, it's one of those sales. beers. There are very few beers like this that are very memorable, but like, all I remember is the first time I tasted it, I was like, holy shit, this beer is so good. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was in love with it ever since. It was like that way with um, with Moostrol. I felt that way with Moostrol. Yeah, Moostrol's uh, yummy. Uh, Tank 7 was later, later on. I don't even remember what it went on. I don't remember how I had it. I don't remember the circumstance around having it the first time. I just remember that I loved it the first time I had it. Yeah. Also, by the way, here's a fun one. You know the uh, uh, YouTube channel Hot Ones? Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Rudd's on it, and yeah. he mentions Tank Seven by name. Yeah, so I think that's you, why, I think you remember saying that. Yeah. So Paul Rudd and I—that's one of my be favorite friends. interviews. Was Maybe if we go there, Paul Rudd will be drinking it with us. I'll send him a message. <laughs> yeah, you do that. I'm still waiting. I have sent several messages to Chris Pratt, um, saying, "Hey, if you're ever back in town, uh, hit me up, and I'll buy you some beers." And he's never taken me up. Can you believe that? He has never taken me up. What a turd. I love that dude. I do too. He's awesome. <laughs> he he just seems like a guy that would just be just lovey and fun to hang out with. And gracious. Yeah. Like he just seems gracious like a gracious yeah. human being. Yeah. Like he'd know, be like just happy just to be thankful. alive. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. I did too. But you know, you're not supposed to meet these people in real life because you put them up in your head and you see them on movies and shows and stuff acting a certain way and then you meet them and they're... It could be dickheads. I'm I'm hoping he's not, but has that ever happened to you, Chris Pratt? If you uh, if you hear this, uh, uh, I I really don't think that about you. Let's let's meet up. Let's hook up. That's my shot. Have you ever met somebody? Yeah, I'm sh- yeah. yeah, yeah. Kenny Rogers. I met Kenny Rogers. He was a dickhead. What was he? Yep. Well, that's not cool. Went up to him. I think I was in Reno actually, and I saw him. Went up to him to shake his hands, and he just kind of went like <laughs> like walked that's, away. I was like, okay, and I was that's young. You're. Yeah, you shouldn't have tried to shake in his hands. And he's short. Just one, Wes. He's short. Just one, Wes. One hand. Well, I wanted to be a an island in the stream with him. You wanted to what with the no, stream? Never mind. Never mind. You don't know that All song? Right. No. Islands in the stream. That is what you? we are. <laughs> no. Okay, nope. never mind. I'm the John Tesh generation. John Tesh. You're, you're just uh, like two years younger than I am, for crying out loud. Oh, well, you have an old soul. Yeah, I have an old soul. All right, let's try the Kings Creek Black Label Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey Minimum <laughs> Four Years Aged Lincoln County Processed Tennessee Quality Corn. Kings Creek Black I'll, Label I'll Cider? No. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Did you look it up? I did. I'm on it. On it, bro. Right. What do you know? We're what professionals. Know? After 37 episodes, we should have this shit down, man. <laughs> sure. Professionals. Professionals. By the way, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. Did you know that our podcast has lasted longer than Barack Obama and the Bosses podcast? That didn't last that long. No one wanted to listen to it. Well, our podcast has lasted longer. You know why? Because we have low standards. No. In spite of nobody listening. No, we have. We're, we have. Still, we're still Dude, doing it. We average 40. Li- no, actually, we don't even average now. I check it weekly. We have 40 listens weekly. Isn't that good? That's pretty good. 
That's How many good. Did Obama have? And I appreciate all 40 of our listeners. If you've stopped to listen to this, we appreciate you. Thank yes, you. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. You can send your donations to balderdashboys at getalby.com. Uh, you can do it through the lightning payment system at Podverse or through fountain.fm. You can boost us with Satoshis. And the fun thing about uh, Fountain FM is that as you listen to your favorite podcast, uh, you can earn Satoshis that then you can turn around and give to your favorite podcast people. Um, as a way of just saying, hey, thank you. And you can even leave them a little message, and it's, that's fun. And we will read it. We will read it on on air. I so. think it's interesting that you'll shamelessly pug sending us money, but you don't want to be sponsored by Meta. I don't want to be sponsored by no one. Meta doesn't have any money. They'll never sponsor <laughs> well, us. They don't have any money anymore. <laughs> they're, run, they're running out. Yeah. Well, because I don't want a corporation to tell us what we can or cannot say. But what if a corporation didn't? Uh, they all eventually do because they also have to make money. So if you and I, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about retard. And if they Mm -hmm. came back and they have to listen to our podcast before we publish it, and they said, hey, listen. uh, That's that's a contract thing. You have to bleep out the retard. in your contract, you're like, we're going to say whatever we want. And uh, you don't like it, then don't don't sponsor us. I know, but who would do that? Who would do that? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Joe Rogan? No. Kanye. Kanye. Kanye would. Would you take millions from Kanye to advertise him? Yes. (laughs) Would you do, would you take millions from Elon? I've been saying this for years. I am looking for a way to sell out. <laughs> like, I just, all I want is just some sort of way to sell out. <laughs> did you play the Powerball? Uh, I did, and guess how much money I have? <laughs> Zero. I have twelve dollars less, less than I did yes, when I started. started yeah. <laughs> I thought about it, and then laziness <laughs> kicked in, and I was like, eh, more yeah, money, so more like, problems. We were kind of that. I don't look at it that way. I want those problems. I'll have those. Problems. I don't want to. Um, but I kind of look at it like uh, we, I, th- I don't know. We might have talked about this. Before, we did, but like last episode. It's just it's just fun to think about, and I I do like I th- I think when you when you talk to people about it and what they would do when they have that money, people's true colors start to come out a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's like like the minute they're like, I can do whatever I want. What am I going to do with that? And it's like, I'm going to buy an island and live on a yacht. Yeah. And uh, get a box at the Red Sox game. Well, they see where your priorities are. It's in stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's a- it's like Sato is great. She's like, I'm setting up a, um, a fund to do charitable work. Uh, immediately, $100 million goes right into that fund and it's, it's set up to do whatever nonprofit things that she wants to do. Yeah. And then she finds out that charitable work is just money laundering. It can be. Depends on what it is. <laughs> so a uh, new uh, report came out from NBC News. So one of the M5M uh, stations here says a small study suggests money can buy happiness. This mm. is today. This is today's news. For households yeah. earning up to $123,000. So a recent experiment suggests that money can indeed buy happiness for at least for six months among households making up to $123,000 a year. This was published Monday in a journal, PNAS, which looked at the effects of giving 200 people a one-time sum of $10,000. The money, which came from two anonymous wealth donors, was distributed on PayPal through a partnership with the organization TED, like TED Talks. Mm -hmm. Participants who got the money were required (laughs) to spend it all within three months, 
and they recorded how happy they felt on a monthly basis as at a control group of 100 people who did not get any money. The researchers measured happiness by having people rank how satisfied they were with their lives on a scale of 1 to 7 and how frequently they experienced positive feelings like happiness and negative feelings such as sadness on a scale of 1 to 5. The group that got $10,000 reported higher levels of happiness than those who did not after their three months of spending. Then, after three months had passed, the recipients still reported levels of happiness higher than when the experiment started. However, people with household incomes above $123,000 did not report noticeable improvements in their happiness. The participants recorded how they spent their money, but the researchers are still analyzing the data to see whether any types of purchases led to the most happiness. And it goes on. But I think it's a dopamine effect, which is why it's happy. Plus, it was kind of like free money. They didn't actually earn it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's that's part of it. Yeah. It's a suspect. It's suspect. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry. I heard another report before where it was like, uh, I think $80,000 was like the threshold for happiness. And anything more mm-hmm. than that, and this was, I guess this was a couple years ago, anything more than $80,000 a year uh, for a person, not necessarily a family, but a person, um, like that. that's like the happiness Goldilocks range, I guess, if you will. <clears throat> yeah, I... I would say it's more complex than I'd like. I feel like they simplified it a lot because one of the things like, it depends on how you define happiness, of course. Um, and I think in your day to day, it's easy to find happiness without having to spend money. Um, but what I would say is there is a point at which you're in, you're financially insecure versus secure. Like Helen and I are very financially secure. Um, so much so that we could take this risk on me being on the other side of the country and um, and try to make this work. There's extra cost. But, you know, like if we were living below a certain point or we're making below a certain point, there's no way we could make this work. You know, and so there's there there is some happiness associated with the freedom to be able to do that sort of thing. Like, what's that line? And does it matter? Like, if I if we weren't able to do it, would I be less happy or more happy? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, I agree with oh. that. One hundred percent. I don't know it's tricky. Happiness <clears throat> is tricky. There's a lot of people with a lot of money that are unhappy, and there's also a lot of people with a lot of money that are very happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I fall into that second category. I have tons of dollars and <laughs> tons of happiness. Many's of the dollars. But I think it's more about it's like it, my happiness is more related to the size of my wiener than it is the <laughs> size of my bank account. That little huge. (laughs) I'm just a little bit happy. (laughs) You know, when I think about what makes me happy uh, the most, uh, money actually does not come in as a factor. Uh, Like I would like a, a, a fantasy, if you will, for me would be if I didn't have um, like if, if, if I wasn't blessed with having a beautiful wife and children and, and all the um, other fulfilling life things that come with having a family, which to me is what makes me happy. And and it's the same thing that makes me kind of either have a bad day or a good day is my relationships with my family. Um, I would travel around this country, maybe even the world, 
and pick up odd jobs here and there and just do photography and meet people and just be a nomad. I would be nomadic. That mm-hmm. to me sounds awesome. I'm sure it would suck and I'm probably romanticizing it. But I think that would be I think that would be that'd be fun. And you're kind of free. I don't know, the sense of freedom. I don't know. That's that's to, good. to some extent, but you still have to get there and you still have to get yeah. established. And what if you get somewhere and you can't get work? Yeah. But just and meeting then, people. And then what? Just meeting people. I th- I think that's why I like uh the country music singer Charlie Crockett and his story. Not just that he's related to Davy Crockett in some way, which I never really give a fuck about, but his story was that he grew up in uh geez, was it was it Tyler, Texas? Might have been Tyler, Texas, Athens, Texas. And uh, he grew up poor. He didn't know his dad. He left home when he was 16, went to Louisiana, played music on the streets, met up with uh, another musician, started playing some music. And then I think he went to France for a few years. He just found his way to France, where he basically panhandled in France playing music until he was, um, until people started really discovering him. And then he came back to the United States and started playing music. with this uh, old timey country music guy, I forget his name, but he's done a tribute album to him, and uh, basically he just kind of lived a nomadic life, just kind of going where he goes and just meeting people and stuff like that. And I mean, that speaks to my soul, I guess, if you will, you know, just those experiences. So, yeah, happiness is different for different people. It just really sell your is. house and buy a van. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> Dan and I actually have that plan somewhere down the road. <laughs> We're always looking at when we went to Hurricane Ridge, uh, which is up in the Olympic Mountains here in Washington State, this last summer, she had never been there before. And we went up there, and there was lots of people with, you know, Mercedes Sprinters that mm-hmm. were modded out with bathrooms and stuff like that. And she's like, we could just do that. And I'm like, yes, we could just do that. It's gross. It's a gross <laughs> – it's kind of gross living that way. Um but uh, if you don't mind that kind of car camping aspect of it, um, it could probably be a, a big adventure. And you'd have lots of stories. And that's also mm-hmm. kind of fun. I've worked in right. offices before where I was just a, a, a cube jockey, uh, prairie dogging all the time. If something, anything would happen, we would prairie dog. And that was, that felt like death. I mean, the job I have now, at least I'm outside and I'm doing stuff and I'm meeting different people and I'm active because the cubicle thing, man, I wanted to blow my brains out. I was bored. and I hated it. And so, you know, being out and doing stuff sounds the best to me. Anyways, Kings Creek. Kings Creek. <laughs> A black label, <laughs> Tennessee, sour mash, whiskey, minimum, four years, aged, <laughs> Lincoln oh, County process. Lincoln County process for any new listener. That means that it went through a, a two charcoal filters, which is the Tennessee way of filtering your whiskey, and that's how you make it Tennessee whiskey. Mm-hmm. So um, this whiskey in particular has no uh, – does not come from one necessarily distiller. Um, it's uh, basically a – USDP is the manufacturer, um, and they're kind of one of those companies that uh, do a lot of different whiskeys for a lot of different companies, especially startups. Um, it's a bottling company that imports sources and sources spirits from other distilleries. Um, mm-hmm. It creates its own brand, sells them primarily in the Midwest of the United States. It's based out of Minnesota, Princeton, mm-hmm. Minnesota in particular. 
I think this happens a lot more than people realize. And we kind of touched on it on a previous episode about when we talked about that, um, the distillery in Texas, yep. Dallas, yeah, because they do a similar thing. Yeah, you know they they buy other people's products and they make it their own. This doesn't this doesn't seem quite like that, but it's almost like contract distilling where you don't actually have to own any of it, but you probably have some sort of say in the recipe or the final product. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So plus, this is only twenty dollars a bottle at, at uh, Total Wine. So it's, oh, I'm I'm hoping it's actually yeah. good. Well, one of these days, uh, when we have enough time, we need to do a bottom shelf. <laughs> oh yeah, a bottom shelf uh, episode. But yeah, bottom um, shelf beer, yeah, yeah, the big three beers. Yeah, Bud, bottom Rainier, and it's not one of the big three. Oh, what's one of the big three? Miller, Coors, and Bud. Oh, Miller, Coors, and Bud. I guess Rainier is local to us, so that's yeah. So those are the those are the big three. Uh, breweries i mean bud's the biggest of course Coors is second that's not, I, i'm pretty sure we talked about this too you remember the uh the years of the bud bowl at super bowl yeah yep. remember the bud bowl bum, 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 bum. yeah yeah do you know do you know, it, do you know who was the, the beer sponsor for the super bowl <laughs> Coors. Coors. <laughs> Coors was the main beer sponsor but everybody thinks it's bud because uh, all they remember is budweiser commercials yeah well you know that's all uh that's all um Whoever can afford it. Million dollars. Wasn't it like a million dollars per 30 seconds? Yeah, some shit like that. Anyways, uh, right. let's. we've been talking instead of drinking, and we have to change that. So cheers, my brother. I'm going totally lowbrow. So it's jam jar. Oh, I actually have a Glencairn. Mm-hmm. Fancy. It's Ooh, actually one of yours. Actually, Woodenville whiskey. Smells, smells pretty nice. Smells a little like JD. Mm-hmm. It's got that uh, kind of new oak. Yeah, banana, banana y kind of smell to it. I think my neighbor might be making spaghetti. Oh, you have an Italian neighbor? No, that's not bad. That's actually, actually you that's know drinkable. what it is. I have a pizza place in the parking lot. <clears throat> oh, I think I got a whiff of them. <laughs> there could be worse things. Mm-hmm. I'm next to an animal fat refinery. <laughs> oh, as long as it was bacon, <laughs> bacon fat. Pork fat. You'd get so tired of it. I'm sure you would. Yeah, I'm sure I would. That's not bad. It tastes, uh, it's a little oh. better than I think Jack Daniels, but. That's right in line. It's drinkable. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. nothing to write home about, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's yeah. got a slight sweetness to it. Doesn't have much uh, of a bite. No. I get a little bit like on the outside of my tongue, a bit of that, um, like that tingle. Yeah. But like not in a, mouth puckering painful way <laughs> you know what i mean i do by the way we have very little of this because we're drinking out of the single shot oh yeah uh, the little we have the one tiny ounce, two mi- micro bottles straight from the airplane except this didn't come from an airplane yeah it's 50 milliliter so it's a but it's still 80 proof mm-hmm. um it's not bad i mean you know i mean mm. this is actually would be a good mixer especially at the price point I feel like this is, it's like nondescript enough that nobody's going to say, oh yeah, that's King's Creek. Yeah. Right. But nobody's going to be like, oh, that's terrible. I'm not going to drink it. Yep. Just, it's it's just kind of there. Like you want to sip a drink on a cool night next to a campfire. It's a good one. Yep. 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 I agree with that. Nice job. Corporate nonsense. Yeah. Uh, If you were here, we would be trying a Jack Daniels and a George Dickel after that, just to see if it lined up. But because those are the kind of, I think two that I feel like would be around this 
What is a reasonable price point for a bottom shelf whiskey? Uh, $10, $15. Hmm. Okay. I would say. I think it'd be fun. Before we tax. Do that. Maybe uh, next week. We can. I, I have so much here already. So I have Copperworks. I have two from Copperworks, two single malts from Copperworks. And I have, which is local, and I have uh, one, two bottles that I bought from Oregon that I wanted to try with you. And they're bottom shelf? No, these are... These That's are, what I want. I want bottom shelf. I want to do cheap. Good. I want to do cheap. And then, and then somebody will have to carry me out. Oh, my God. Just want to get hmm. trashed. No. Well, you're, well, you're off for like... Uh, well, you're home for like two weeks, but one of those weeks you're just, you're just here home, and then the other one you're in Tulsa. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. I come back next Wednesday. Okay. And then we fly out Tuesday night. All right. So if you want to knock out two in-persons while I'm home, I think that would be good if we can. But if not, that's fine. Okay. I guess I'll just touch myself. (laughs) When I think about you, I touch myself. Well. We've already had uh, quite a bit good conversations, but um, last week we talked about habits. I thought maybe this week you might want to talk about uh, critical thinking. What did you think about that? I think it's a good one. You feel critical about it? it. Well, I'll have to think about it. I guess one of the things, the reasons why I thought about this one in particular was just because uh, around election time, and I do not want to get political, but around election time, there's so much propaganda coming from both sides and so much emotional rhetoric mm-hmm. that I feel that, uh, or I believe, or I think that a lot of people get uh, more emotionally worked up unless they, they don't engage their brain as much. They don't think about mm-hmm. You know they're they're just they're just worked up and and a lot of times I feel like people are worked up by the team aspect of things right like <laughs> you know my team has to win and there's this whole thing like a red wave is coming which is bullshit and it's has been sussed out as bullshit I mean sure a lot of Republicans won and the House and the Senate look like they might either the Senate looks like it's probably going to go fifty fifty but the House is is Republican but at the same time I'm like it's not a fucking red wave and who cares I don't want a homogenous government. Do you want a homogenous government? No. Yeah. Um, well, and we don't have that. So the, the red wave was, I think it was like, to your point, it's a lot of bullshit because people want to get people excited and riled up and have something to talk about. But also historically it does happen. The, the party of the president tends to lose in the midterm elections in a significant uh-huh. way. Like when Obama was president, he lost 40 seats in the house. Yep. So there's this expectation that it's just going to happen again historically, but it it didn't, and it doesn't always. It yeah. does sometimes, but yeah. it doesn't always. Yeah. And and I always think you know because uh, I listen on I listen to lots of people. I have a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are would call themselves blue team, and I know a lot of people that would call themselves mm-hmm. red team. Uh, and none of them, hardly any of them, give me a perspective of. I just want it to be an equal ground so that debates and good debates and honest asking questions and, you know, not just critical thinking from Americans, which I know is a lot to ask, but at least the people that we hire 
to run this country that we live in to at least have some critical thinking skills mm-hmm. instead of rhetoric and propaganda. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel like that always exists. Sometimes it exists, but I don't think it always exists. And that frustrates me, which is it why doesn't it doesn't exist nearly as much as it should. Yes. You, you would expect the people we put in charge to be very intelligent. And there's a lot of dodos out there. There is a ton of dodos out there. And there's a lot of people where I was like, that guy got elected. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people where I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm glad that guy didn't get elected. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, when I was thinking about critical thinking, basically uh, most people know this, but if you don't, it's analyzing information. Uh, it's taking all the who, what's, where, when, hows, and uh, gathering as much information, good information, sussing out what is good and what is bad and what is verifiable and what's not verifiable data, and then making decisions or assumptions based off that data. Mm-hmm. Um and and just it doesn't mean that you are married to any of that. I think like last week you were like, I never say 100%, which is great because that means that you're open to new information that comes and impregnates you. You see what I did there? And so <laughs> critical thinking is is important for us and I think is a lost art skill because I f- – tend to find more people that I talk to, they're very emotionally charged um, than they are actually thinking clearly. And when you kind of call them out or if you ask them questions, which is part of critical thing is asking questions, asking questions against the narrative and outside the narrative, they, they tend to calm down and start actually engaging in conversation rather than rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and and I participate in rhetoric sometimes because I think it's funny and I think it's fun to just be a bullshitter. Um, but when it comes down to you know when it comes down to it, if someone wants to have a serious conversation with me, which doesn't always happen, um, I I will you know think try to think more clearly about it and ask questions and and check myself. And I think part of critical thinking also is checking yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what am I holding on to that I don't really need to hold on to? Mm-hmm. For sure. So, like, a lot of you and I, when you and I get into our heated uh, <laughs> conversations, because I don't think we're ever really arguing, um, you know, there's a place in my mind where it's like, <laughs> like, I think I've mentioned this before, where I'm just kind of like, uh, how far do I want to take this? Like, like, am I really, like, 100% on this? No. You know, so do I want to pretend I'm hundred percent on this and fuck around or do I want to, and it just all depends on whatever the mood I'm in. And I think, you know, the same thing, you know, and you know when I'm bullshitting you when I'm just fucking around. So, mm-hmm. and so you play along too, and that's fun. Our wives might not necessarily get it. They think we're yelling and fighting <laughs> or other people might not get it. There are some very sensitive people who are, you know, they're just, they're, they're emotional that way. And if they hear people arguing, they, they want to get involved. So, Anyways, what do you think? Yeah, no, I no, I, I, I agree with you. And we've talked about before the, the idea between, like, I think where people, I think people like to be right. And when you're challenged, it doesn't feel good no. always, like being wrong and yeah. admitting you're wrong. Like we're taught, and I, and I do, I don't think this is necessarily a human condition. I think we're taught this. We're taught that we're not supposed to be wrong, that we need to always be right. 
Because like our entire lives were spent being judged on whether we were right or wrong. You know, right. like from the time we could think, it's like, were you right? Here's your blue ribbon. Were you wrong? Here's your do it again. And so we always want to be right. And when we're challenged and faced in the face of being potentially wrong, it's hard to admit that you might be wrong. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tricky. Um, I, I remember um, there's a really good uh, book about Mormonism. Sorry for our Mormon friends if, if this uh, affects you because I know how much you love bourbon. But, but there's a, there is a, a really Something good book that I read that was like, like outside of the Mormon side of it, it was, there was a, a whole section of like, how do you talk to people about things or how do you persuade people to listen or come to conclusions that like, there are certain things that you're like, I know factually what they believe is incorrect or doesn't make sense. And how do you help somebody critically think through this situation? And their point was essentially like, you can't tell somebody they're wrong. But you can ask them questions to get them to the point where they realize that maybe they're not right. Leads you know, and it's not, and it's like it, it's not malicious. It's just like no. trying to get somebody to critically think about the decision yes. they've made in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think Christians do this a lot. Religious folks, and I mean, and when I say religious, it's like completely anti-religious to the left or super religious to right, like fully believing in something without thinking it all the way through. Uh, people do this a lot where they grab onto this idea because it's their tribe has told them this is the way it is. And they don't actually start to think through it. And in the moment that that idea is challenged because they've already accepted it, but never critically thought about it, they go into fight mode. So sure. it's like, what was it? Uh, I don't know. A month or two ago, there was a, um, I can't, I wish I could remember who said it, but somebody, somebody said the moment that you, resort to physical violence to prove your point you've lost yeah you have lost that argument or even just saying well like fuck you you're wrong yeah well, okay well the conversation ended. Oh, well, i mean that's right. where it ends that went somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that, i mean that's usually my tell when someone when they start getting belligerent or if, they, if all their comeback is is something insulting i realize oh well, this this conversation's over yeah and it's I not think, worth continuing well yeah my older brother um uh, share this example with me. And there's lots of examples like this that I think are really brilliant in, in pointing out the fallacy of our brains, the things that we do that, that don't make sense or the connections we make. And this is along the lines of critical thinking. And the one that the the really hilarious one that I, I really love that he shared with me was the correlation between um, global temperature rise mm-hmm. and the number of pirates. So as the number of pirates in this world has declined, global temperature has risen. Oh, well, let's so bring back the there pirates. Is, there is a correlation between the two. So the solution it, to, to global temperature rise yeah. is to have more pirates. Yeah. Right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's totally nonsense. But people make these connections sure. with different things that are more subtly connected, but, not, but, don't act, but aren't actually related. No, and, and like this one that I looked up earlier today um, s- shows a correlation between ice cream sales and murder rates. So as ice <laughs> cream sales one. go up, like murder rates go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, re- but the reality is they're not connected. But what it actually is, is when temperature rises, ice cream sales go up and murder rates go up. Yeah. But they're not related. 
it's the temperature that's related to ice cream sales and the temperature that's related to murder rate. But ice cream sales and murder rates are not related. So it's like I, a I mean, I don't know. I disagree with that. I mean, maybe they are. Well, I don't maybe know. Maybe if people, more people had ice cream, they wouldn't want to be so murdery. Yeah, maybe. Does ice cream make you feel happier? Well, but if that if if your logic made sense, if ice cream sales went up and murder rates, then murder rates wouldn't go up. But at the same time, ice cream rates go up, then murder rates go up. More people are eating ice cream and more people are getting murdered. Yeah. Maybe more ice cream's not the solution. Maybe less ice cream's the solution. If we sold less ice cream, then there'd be less murder. I mean, maybe there's something in the ice cream. We should investigate the ice cream. We, sh- we should. Thanks, Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates is now in charge of ice cream. Fuck that guy does everything. What the hell, dude? He he does. He's a uh, man of many talents. Yeah. Or uh, why do you think he does every day? Why climate change activists buy oceanfront properties for millions of dollars? Because it's beautiful. Even though it's going to rise and destroy it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shit don't make no sense. Shit don't make no sense. (laughs) Don't know shit about fuck. Yeah, I, I, uh, have you ever been sitting there and like you heard somebody like this happens on the news all the time. Um, and Helen and I have these conversations a lot where you hear them say something or they make some sort of weird connection and you're like, what? Yeah. What that wait, hold on. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. What are yeah, you talking about? Yeah. Like, you're just making shit up now. Yeah, that's but, everything but, on no agenda. Yeah, <laughs> that's they've, all they play. they've, uh, <laughs> They've, uh, we've been pushed into this world where we're moving too fast to think about it. Actually, yeah. now that I bring, bring that part up, the part of the Mormon church too, one of the things that they bring up is they, their goal is to keep you so busy doing church stuff that you don't have time to think about it. Yep. So you just accept what you're told. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually, no that's critical a, that's thinking. a cult tactic actually. It is. It absolutely is. Yep. 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 And, and I think, I think our, I think not necessarily our government, but I think, I think our social media those kind of things keep us so occupied and it looks like everything's moving so fast that we don't have the time, you know, to, to really think things through deeply. Part of critical thinking is Mm -hmm. thinking things through deeply. Like I I posted something on my Instagram that I got from someone on Twitter because I thought it was interesting that the guy was like, he said, every now and then I stop and I think about how Jeffrey Epstein hung himself in a maximum security prison when no one was looking because he was, you know, soliciting minors to global elites. And then my brain switches on somehow voting for different people change anything in this world. You know, just like, <laughs> and then my brain just kind of goes like switch. And it's like, no, everything's going to go back to normal if I just vote these people in. <laughs> and I kind of feel that way. Cause like we're, we're being programmed. Like all of a sudden, if, the moment you start looking at something deeply, your brain just goes, no, 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 no. Over here, over here, over here, over here, over here. Look over here. Don't look at that. Go over here. <laughs> and so you stop and you stop investigating those things. But um, and and sometimes those things are so hard that you're it's it's not maybe not traumatizing in the first person to you, but there's some trauma that surrounds it that you don't no longer want to look at it. And so what you want to then your mind wants to go to something that's easy. Or easy to easier to comprehend, easier to put your brain around. Like I've been reading through, <clears throat> um, I've been reading Tragedy and Hope 101 again, and then I've been reading through Whitney Webb's new book, which is One Nation Under Blackmail, and uh, which is a very very good book. It's two volumes, each is like a thousand pages. But um, 
it's hard to digest all the information, um, you know, and then your mind starts to wander off into other things as they start talking about certain people or organizations and stuff like that. And it's very well researched. So, you know, and then, and then at some certain point it's like, Oh, this is kind of depressing. I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> Although it's important to read because it's building a basis for why Jeffrey Epstein network actually existed, which mm-hmm. is very thought provoking because it, even though he's dead, it still exists. It's just not with him anymore. Mm-hmm. And how many different people it touched. That's a rabbit trail. But I want to be able to think deeply about things. And part of that is kind of looking at ugly things and trying to train your mind to do that. And what mm-hmm. I think social media often does is train our mind to only take things in small bites and then have an emotional reaction around them rather than thinking about what it is that you're actually listening to or watching mm-hmm. on a <clears throat> related much on a related to the podcast and much lighter related note. Um, I I'm a home brewer. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of the things that like sort of getting deep into the craft brewing uh, and home brewing <clears throat> um, uh, groups and, being involved in beer tasting and well, actually the beer tasting and judging was a, uh, what kind of pulled me out of this. Um, one of the things that happens is is like so much shade thrown to the, the big yellow beer brewing companies because they're shitty beer and they're, they're, they're quote unquote shitty beer because people who typically brew beer themselves don't like yellow flavored beer. That doesn't make it a shitty beer. Like a lot of people think that a lot of pilsners out of Europe are terrible, but a lot of people really love them. And uh, like Mexican beers, they fall in line of shitty yellow beers. They're they're typically light, but they fit in that same category. But if you really think about it critically, uh, without the guise of like, well, fuck them because I don't like that beer. If you think about Budweiser, think about the amount of beer they make and how consistent it is. And actually how technically challenging that is to do. Like they didn't, they're not accidentally making a shitty beer over and over no. again. That yeah. beer they're making is very intentional and it's exacting. Yeah. Uh, and they put a lot of money into making sure it's exactly the same all the time. So from a critical thinking standpoint, outside of your personal judgment of the beer, yeah. it's actually a pretty phenomenal beer. Yeah. When you think about the what they do and how they the do it and that they're able to it. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very impressive. So it's yeah. like, well, you might not personally like it. That doesn't make it bad. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. A lot, That's a, a lot really of people really actually. do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So like I know it's like a kind of a nonsensical thought, but like I think if we actually stepped back and thought through our opinions from a more logical standpoint and took the motion out of it, like I don't particularly like Bud Light, but I can appreciate what they do. Yep. I can appreciate that the microbiologist is one of the highest paid people at Budweiser yep. because of the importance of his job. Yep. I can appreciate that every time I open that can, it'll be exactly the same shittiness that it'll always be. Yep. Yeah. Does it make it? It doesn't make it. It does it, it's it's an it's an impressive feat to be able to do that. Yeah. Honestly. I agree with that. I agree with that. And so. I think you brought up a good point too, is just about emotion. Emotion is not critical thinking. So how you feel about a thing does not negate it. 
and you're and when you say, "Well, I don't like that beer because I don't like the way it tastes," you're not actually making a uh, you're not actually engaging in critical thinking. You're just engaging in whatever emotional response that you've received from that. Yeah, it's just beer. opinion throwing. Yes, and, well, and and I think that happens too. Like, um, like my dad always drank Rainiers and and stuff like that. So when I drink a Rainier, uh, I just remember taking sips from my dad's you know, can when I was a kid, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> shitty beer. That's my opinion. I don't particularly like it. I wouldn't drink a six pack of it though. I've drinking six packs of Coors Light just because we're mm-hmm. golfing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, um, it, it does have an emotional response to me as far as like, it's a memory that's connected to it, but that doesn't mean all the things that you just said, which makes it an impressive feat. And if you actually stop mm-hmm. to think about it, you'd be like, Wow, takes a lot of people to make this crappy beer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's well it's it's the fact that it's intentional. Yeah, it's it's not like it just shows up and they're like, well, it sucks. Here you go. Sure. No, no, they don't want to make sucky beer. And honestly, no, it's entirely intentional. Prior it, to microbrew and stuff like that, especially with IPAs and becoming big and stuff like that. I mean, people just those were your choices, mm-hmm. you know. And you had to yeah. drink, you know, Miller High Life or Banquet beer or. Oh, yeah, uh, a Coors or a, or a Rainier or a Bud, you mm-hmm. know, and they had great advertising. This Bud's for year. Uh, this Bud's for you. You. <laughs> or uh, what was the one here in Washington? It was like a, a guy on a motorcycle driving up to actually Rainier Mountain. And the and frogs? Was, yeah. Oh. Rainier. Rainier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy's going up. That was good. <laughs> and didn't we also have like the the Rainier beer bottles that had legs? And it was like oh, a yeah. snowy scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And so that what marketing, too, was an emotional thing that people bought into. Yeah, for sure. Like Hams had the bear. Mm-hmm. And they even had a great jingle, the Hams are refreshing. Hams are refreshing. <laughs> hams. I yeah. do like, I. Uh, I'm with you too. Like there is an emotional side of I like for me, I think beer and drinking is more emotional. Oftentimes it's more emotional and situational than it is uh anything else. Like um on a hot day with the right people, mm-hmm. I love course light. Yeah. Like I don't love it because I'm like, oh, this tastes amazing. I love it because I'm with people that I know love it and yeah. I don't mind drinking it. It's usually a hot day. It's and the you right can drink time. six and feel refreshed yeah. and not trashed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's the right time and right place. Like my go-to beer on hot days when we're working out at the cabin is Pacifico with yeah. the lime. Yummy. And so like, yummy, yummy. And I've put down so many of those Pacificos mm-hmm. up at the property on a hot day. Yeah. So now I just like associate with, with like my vacation time and by, there you go. By like, craft beer standards it's not a great beer no i think it's lovely yep so yeah i agree with that 100 but there was a day like they i i was that person that would they would throw shade at the, like the big mass-produced beers and it was not logical it was emotional yep. it was i don't like it because i'm told i shouldn't like it because it's big beer big brewing companies they're doing shitty things big beer yeah yeah i know right and they do, do and that's a separate conversation. InBev does some shitty things to the craft brewing industry and the small brewers. They're trying to buy their way into owning all of beer. Looking at you, Elysian. That's right. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> uh, 
But outside of that, like, is the beer objectively good or bad? That's a different conversation. You're actually yeah. thinking of it critically. If you didn't know who it came from, would you like it? Or would you not like it? Yeah. And I can guarantee you that if I was given a Bud Light and I didn't know it was a Bud Light and I took a sip, I would know that I didn't like it. Yep. It's a very distinct flavor to me. Yes, it is. But that doesn't make it a, a necessarily bad beer. No. It's bad to me, but it's not bad to everyone. Yep. I agree with that 100%. I agree with that. And uh, just as a uh, service announcement, uh, service announcement, uh, machine Budweiser wants to sponsor us. No uh, machine house. Aww. Cause then we couldn't rate other beers unless it was in our contract uh, machine house in Georgetown. Uh, that's in Seattle uh, is has to move by this spring. So yeah. So if, get down there and visit them. Yeah. Visit them, give them lots of money. Maybe they can renew their, uh, uh, I think the guy rent. wants him out. Yeah. I don't think they're. I think they're they're done with that. Like he's been marching up the rent for quite a long time. Has he? And doing things to make make it harder for patrons to get there, like charging parking, charging for parking, and actually ticketing and such good beer they down this, there, man. I know they were under the impression that they weren't going to have to do that, especially after hours. And yeah, it's a giant ass parking lot, and it's this has been an ongoing struggle. So yeah. Fortunately, they were good. They were able to go there, and it's a great place. It gave them their name because above the entry yep. in sandstone, it says Machine House. It's the old Machine House from the old Rainier Brewing Company. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of history there. But they'll find a spot. They have another location too, up on First First Hill. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, if you can get down there and visit them. Yeah. Uh, or let me know if you want to go. I'll go with you. I actually yeah, me own too. A, yeah, I have my own um, glass there. My name. Oh, do on you? It. Oh, that's right, you oh. do. Yeah, I do. So yeah. I would does be that one also say there. Johnny No Pants? It certainly does. Oh, there you go. They all do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh. I think my one from um, man, I miss you having what's you. What's the? Uh, what's the? Why you gotta be the, so far? Uh, away? Oh, Elliot Bay. Elliot Bay. My yes. Elliot Bay one, I think, is lapsed. I don't oh. think I. Uh, I don't think that one exists. Anymore. But your post one still exists. That's yes, forever, it though. It is. It is forever. Like our friendship. Yeah. So, uh, oh, what a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, I almost missed it. So, uh, so I'm looking for you, Sir Bemrose, if you're down here in uh, Seattle. Sir Bemrose is our uh, listener in Everett. If you're down here in Seattle and you want to have a beer at Machine House, you better give me a call or give me a, a mention on uh, No Agenda Social um, oh, yeah. so that we can uh, meet you down there and have a beer with you. And then uh, we can go. Well, Ula moved, too. Ula had got rented out. Uh, they had their rents raised, so Ula's no longer uh, going to be down mm. in Georgetown either, which sucks. Jellyfish is still suck. down there, though. But Jellyfish. That's a cool place. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Sir Brimrose. Brimrose, is that right? Bemrose. Bemrose. Ryan Bemrose. Bemrose. Mm-hmm. Ryan is the, yeah, he's the one that gave us all that great feedback, right? Yeah, he did. Oh, which is so, so appreciative. So helpful. Yeah. I loved it. So, way. even based off of that, I'm going well, to try to try to get us on a, a live show. So, we might do some live live shows which would be fun, which is just basically here, but people can uh, listen to us live. And that'd be kind of fun to see if we get any live listeners. Yeah. Are you alive? I, I did mention it before. I do really appreciate it. There's some shows where they do it live and then they have like the live chat stream where people can chime yep. in or join. And, and we can do I, that. Like, I always appreciate when people like actively call out, like, thank you for joining Chris Tucker 22. Chris Tucker. You got yeah, knocked not, the fuck out. Not, not the Chris Tucker. <laughs> Oh, Chris Tucker, 22. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Centralia. <laughs> it's still, you got to knock the fuck out. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. I yeah, like that connection. I do too. And I, want, I would love to be able to be. I do too. Do more of that. So here's some ways that you can improve your critical thinking skills. Oh, Number yeah. Back one, to it. Writing. Think more. Writing helps you think through a problem or a situation, and it also helps your brain organize your thoughts. So a lot of dangerous people, quote unquote, dangerous people, that if you get into any kind of debate or discussion on, um, if they seem like they're handling you well, it's probably because they've written something about this or they've written it out. Mm-hmm. And writing is a great way to uh, actually, <clears throat> for me, writing is a great way to see my thoughts in front of me and I can evaluate what I'm actually thinking. So sometimes I'll write and I'll just kind of, if I'm, if I'm on a topic, I'll just write what I think about it and I'll look at it again. And if it looks like nonsense, I'll be honest with myself. I'm like, that's nonsensical. Um, but at the same time, I'll, I'll investigate it. And then my thoughts start getting tighter and tighter and my arguments might get a little bit more firmer, um, without, I'm not trying to turn this into a, a pornographic thing, firmer, tighter, longer, shorter, um, it's not working and what I would do is I, I organize them better so that if I do get in a discussion with somebody, I, in my mind, I've already kind of had these discussions with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like shower thoughts, but you're writing them out. You ever mm-hmm. get into like the shower and you've had a conversation or argument with somebody or you've heard a con- uh, an argument online or something like that and you're replaying it. Like, how would I respond and so you're playing like you in the argument. These are great mm-hmm. shower thoughts. Um, yeah. I used to do this all the time. Like if you get an argument with like your wife or something like that, you're like, fuck, I should have said this. That would have been great. Or you can argue with someone else. You're like, damn it. Why didn't I say this? And I'm going to hold that one in my pocket for next time. Um, kind of the same thing. But if you write it out, it's, it's easier for you to see what you think, mm-hmm. which makes it easier to criticize and organize your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, we probably don't spend enough time. Um, like, we definitely don't spend enough time writing. I know I don't. But, like, in my day-to-day, I send a lot of emails. And I think, generally, as humans, we take emails and text messages for granted. But, like, if you ever go back and read your text messages and try to figure out if what you said makes sense, um, most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. And, like, in a business, on the business side of things, or, like, when when you're trying to get something done, your very subtle words matter a lot. Um, And one of the best pieces of advice I was given when it comes to written communication and oral communication is to write it out first and reread it to see if it actually makes sense and you're getting done what you need to do. And sometimes you end up scrapping the whole thing because it was all bullshit because you're just writing stream of consciousness. Like every, do you have anybody in your life that, that texts like they talk? Nope. Uh, I do. And it, and it is challenging yeah, <laughs> at I'm times. Sure. It's like, sometimes you're like, I don't actually know what they're saying. Like, this is one of the big critiques of Trump was, um, and I'm not saying critique in like negative or positive. That's a different conversation. Yeah. But like when he would talk and you watch don't him talk, run Trump. <laughs> when you would watch him talk, you knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah. But if you read like a transcript of what he said, you're like, who is this lunatic? Oh yeah. If you didn't know it was him. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck fuck? is he even, it doesn't (laughs) even like, it's all over the place. This person is a 
crazy person yes. yelling in the middle of a park. Yeah. So like the context matters. I mean, with tens of thousands of people listening, I mean, that's I know. That's I know. the crazy part about it. I know. He's not the Messiah. Um and I agree with you. I agree with you. And then sometimes that's even like uh that even works with when you're angry. Writing out what you're angry about. Um and then looking at it again and actually asking yourself if this is what you're really angry about. So mm-hmm. when Dan and I have arguments, uh, I let her talk about like why she's upset or angry or whatever. But the more she talks, the more it realize her and I both realize that the thing that she's really upset about is not actually the thing. It's something, there's something else, but we only know that because we're reacting to one situation but it stems from something deeper. And mm-hmm. when you figure that out, you realize, oh, it's not me. It's actually this other thing that has happened or is going on that I had no information about. And I have just participated in without realizing it. And writing also helps that. So if you could write out like how you felt about something, you know, so if you're upset mm-hmm. about something, like if you wrote it out, you'd start to realize I'm not really fucking mad about this. I'm really mad about this. And it's a deeper, you can get to a core issue a lot easier. So I think writing is very important for critical thinking. I do too. Um, And again, like this might be the third time I've said this, but I think I brought this up before. Early on in Helen and I's relationship, um, we were struggling and we uh, ended up going to couples therapy. And this is not while we were married because we only got married two years ago, uh, two and a half years ago. This was like two years into our relationship. You got so married we twice to, to the same woman. Let's just be honest. I know. Talk about a winner. Oh my gosh. That's like winning. <laughs> she said yes twice, times. by the way. I know. She said yes a lot more than twice. Hey. hey. And there's your yeah. sex talk for the week. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, go on. I didn't say what day. Oh. Um, but one of the pieces of advice or the, the guidance that our therapist gave us was, um, to have a standing weekly meeting mm-hmm. at, at like a scheduled meeting that was the time to discuss with the guidelines of you can table things until that time mm-hmm. and then that meeting lasts an hour and when the hour's over, it's over. And then if you didn't get to it, you didn't get to it. You talk about it next week and if you got to it, great. But it, it gave, what it was was a balance for us where I could, Helen, Helen, is the person that needs to talk about it right now and get it sorted out right now. And much like many men, my brain has a hard time computing in the moment and needs to think it through. And so if I don't vocalize that, then I just shut down. And so um, this was that balance of, I get that you have something you need to talk about. I need to wait, give me a chance to talk about it. And it's morphed into a, a different sort of um, give take, which is phenomenal. We have a wonderful relationship. Uh, but what it did was it was like all these things that we weren't addressing now all of a sudden could be addressed because the emotion was taken out of it. And part of it was that we would write these things down. And I remember Helen was a lot better about it than I was. Um, I was really shit about it, but I do remember making a list at one point and then like going back and crossing things off because as I wrote it down, you know, and I'm like creating my argument for it and like yep. thinking it through and like, this is what I want to share. I'm like, that's dumb. That actually doesn't even make sense. I don't know why I'm mad about yeah, that. Yeah. Like, get rid of that one, erase it. And like, you know, you're as you write it down and you look at it, 
those details, they start to dwindle and yeah. they start to become less important. And you're like, yeah. this is stupid. Why am I wasting my time on yeah. this? Yeah. Like, honestly, all I want to do is, is have a great Sunday afternoon with my girlfriend yep. or wife. And I'm concerned about. Oh, you have a side piece. F- oh, yeah. Okay. I know. Well, yeah. Many. Yeah. Heck, heckin' <laughs> after she has a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, she, but like one of the things that I would complain about was that, um, she would do my dishes while I was putting Tate to bed and her take on it was, well, it was a nice thing to do. And she wasn't doing anything. I was getting Tate bathed and getting to bed when he was really little. And she's like, well, maybe I'll just do the dishes. And so I'll, yeah. I'll keep busy. And I took personal offense to it. Like I can take care of my own shit. Thank you very much. Yeah. But then when you start thinking about it critically and start actually thinking about the intent of the other person, it's yeah. like, there's no ill intent. Her, no. the ill intent that, that I thought she had was entirely in my brain. It yep. had nothing to do with her. Uh, and so thinking it through logically and critically was like, oh, this is really great. Somebody's doing yeah. dishes. Yeah. Like the reality is this is wonderful. Yep. But my emotional take on it was, fuck you. Why would you do that? <laughs> what an um, asshole. I know. I know. I, I do that I sometimes too. And I'm like, why the fuck am I being this way? Why are you being so dumb? Why am I just being, why am I just being an asshole? Like this is, it's stupid. I get it. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, another one that I wrote down was ask lots of questions. So, uh, this would be like Socrates. Socrates always asked questions and the asking questions was a deconstructive, uh, way of critical thinking. Right. So if you hold on to something really, really like hardcore asking questions about it and around it, um, makes you think outside the box and forces you to, um, question your own understanding of the world or your perception or what it is that you're holding on as a, as a hard belief. So asking questions is a great way. So I find a lot of people, if, if we're, if we're talking like, um, and, and the only reason why it's on my mind is because the midterms just happened this last week. Um, if you hold on to like a, a political party, really, really, really tight, like we've always voted Democrat. This is a Democrat mm-hmm. family. Um, Asking questions about like why are we Democrat or why are we Republican? Republicans do this too, so it's not a it's not a one party thing. It's red or blue. It's fucking gamified. Honestly, people mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that you are you're you're questioning the your own people in your own party because what you really really want is you don't want a Democrat in there and you really really don't want a Republican in there. If you can break through that mindset, what you really want is someone who is thinking critically about all the issues and all the things that are going on in the world that can actually make a change or be challenged or be, or just make some fucking sense, but they have to be questioned and, and not reactive, but actually be thoughtful and actually admit things. Like if, if a question's asked, they can go, well, I've never really thought about that before. Like, oh, wouldn't that be just like a, a a breath of fresh air for someone to say, you know, I, I haven't really thought about that before. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily like the guy, Elon, but I remember I watched this interview where someone asked him, he was talking about his rockets for SpaceX. And someone said, why don't you just do, I can't remember what it was, but they, they basically said, why don't you do this? And he stopped and he looked at them and he goes, I've never thought about that. Thank you for asking that question because I think we're just about to, I think we're going to make some changes now. Mm -hmm. And he was willing just to stop and be like, 
oh, I haven't thought about that aspect mm-hmm. of it before. But he was honest enough instead of saying like, no, nah, man, fuck you. We got it all figured out. He could have been, <laughs> that's how he could have reacted and said, he was like, no, I haven't thought about that before. And I thought that was a very genuine moment where he was like, oh, mm-hmm. and he did. He changed how SpaceX, uh, how the rockets worked based off that one conversation he had with some reporter who was asking some random question, but they had mm-hmm. enough guts to ask, actually ask the question. And so, and, and I even, I would even say from our journalists out there, ask better questions, ask more thoughtful questions. And when you get gaslighted by whoever the fuck is in power, ask a better follow-up question mm-hmm. so that we can actually see that the emperor has no clothes. Cause I think oftentimes our politicians, they have no clothes. They walk around gaslighting us constantly mm-hmm. red or blue. Well, I feel we're also constantly only, gaslighted. We're also we're not given that opportunity to to choose somebody who, like, whether you like John Kerry or not. One of the things that he actually was pretty good at was that, like, I don't really know, and let me find out. And he would change his mind, and people, and like, what was the spin? He's a flip flopper. He's a flip flopper. The flip flop. So it's thing. like, yeah. well, would you rather have somebody that holds to their point of view in the face of? contrary evidence or the person who is willing to change their mind given certain given more information about the subject you're talking about and i would rather have that person that's like oh i don't know uh oh that that's logical maybe my opinion's different now and i know that three weeks ago i said something different yeah you know like that's that should be acceptable but it's not we've created this world but it's not acceptable new shit has come to light yeah, we just we end up with these two dumb fuck options. Like, how do we not? We have a lot of very smart people in this world. Yeah, but those and smart people don't want to go into politics. They're too smart know. for that. <laughs> I know. How do we? How do we get those people to to yeah. be the ones that are in charge? Yeah. Oh, it's money. It's money and lobbyists. It's it's a whole it's a whole corrupt system, dude. It's it's deeper than we think. I believe. Uh, and then number, number three inversion. So, um, another way to improve your critical thinking skills is to think of all the ways you can destroy or ruin something. So oftentimes we're always trying to look at the positive things like, Oh, how can I make it better? But oftentimes if we think about all the ways we can make it worse, uh, the better answer can come out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, if you thought about, well, how can I destroy my marriage? Oh, well, don't do those things. (laughs) how can i destroy my relationships with people oh don't do those things how to not to yeah that's just it though you know so that's also part of of critical thinking is not just thinking of how can i improve but if i were to ruin this thing what would it look like and then do the opposite of those things Mm -hmm. um and i think for some of us that might be um if any listeners out there are a little more self-destructive in their personality, uh, taking some inventory of how self-destructive I am. Uh, do I often blow things up for no fucking reason? Maybe I should do the opposite of that and see how it works out for me. Don't do that. Yeah. So, so I think that's, I think that's a good point too, because, um, it also helps us think outside the box. It, it, it's another perspective that our brain often doesn't think about. Like what's the quickest way that you can ruin your marriage? Probably adultery, probably mm-hmm. having sex with someone else. That's not your wife. 
probably will ruin it pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. Don't do that. Hey, I can keep my marriage intact. <laughs> you know? Surprise. Here's an easy one. Yeah. Ignore my wife. What's opposite? Give her some attention that's positive. Hey, I can save my marriage. But we're not thinking that way oftentimes. So I think that's a I think that's a good critical thinking skill. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So those are the few things that I kind of found as I did some uh thinking about uh critical thinking um i can go further into that if you want to know more you can look at stuff like the um trivium so the trivium is the um you know is critical thinking in the sense of rhetoric and logic and um and reading and uh and that's very important it's things that i don't think that they teach in schools anymore um, but even as an adult, I think it's always good to always be up on your fallacies, on your logic, on your uh, rhetoric and your reasoning, um, just so that you understand that, you know, we use these fallacies. Uh, we probably used them a million times on this podcast. But being able to recognize that I'm using a fallacy right now, or if certain people are using fallacies, especially like in mainstream media, if you're listening to things, you know, are they using straw man? That's a fallacy. Um, or, uh, uh, um, pointing to authority, like, you know, well, this, uh, this guy's in a lab coat, you know, he must be an authority. Therefore, everything mm-hmm. he says is right. You know, if we know that those things exist, that our brains can kind of say, okay, yes, but, and then we can think for ourselves and really critical thinking, I think is a great pathway to freedom and freedom to me, not only is, is free from, uh, any kind of constraint someone else is putting on you, basically, but freedom of thought, being able to think for yourself, being mm-hmm. able to not have to always go with what everyone else or the society thinks is true or right, but actually thinking about those things and actually finding out for yourself if they are true, mm-hmm. um, objectively true, not just true for you. Which is yeah. which ends up being subjective anyways, and that's relativism, which is a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, uh, what does that have to do with beer and bourbon? Well, actually, I think you did a great job earlier in this podcast, John, <laughs> where you talked about um, how all that has to do with beer and the craft versus the yellow beer industry. So, thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that. of course. I do think. Um, I mean, very much related. Like, uh, you're welcome to your opinion, but. And not, okay, let me start over. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to think whatever you want to think. But it's more valuable to understand why you think what you think That's than good. it is to think what you, what you think. It's like, fun understand to have where fun, it comes but from. you have to know how. Yeah. Like, if you believe in something very specific, you should be able to support it with something logical or reasonable. Like, you know... um, uh, thinking back in college, I I am a bit of a contrarian. But I think that's why we get along because <laughs> we like to, to disagree. Yeah. And uh, I would have so many people, especially going to college in like in the one blue county in all of Idaho, where people would say stupid shit that was like the popular environmentalist view that actually wasn't an environmentalist environmentalist view at all. It was just 
the popular opinion of the moment or somebody told them this is how it was. So this is the way it is. And they were like, Oh, well that just must be the way it is. But then if you step back and say, does that actually make any sense at all? Like the big one that drove me nuts was the world was covered in trees until humans came along and cut them down. I'm like, let's just take a deep breath and think about this. You're telling me in the blues prairies that are covered in wheat fields right now, humans came along cut down all of the trees and planted grass. That's what they did over millions of acres of rolling hills. That's what they decided to do was to plant tall grass. That, that was the plan. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like how valuable is, is timber? Like, you know, like if, if, if it made sense to do that, we wouldn't have any trees at all. Yep. So it's like, it's a nonsensical argument, but people believe this was the case. They sure. believe the entire world was covered yeah. in trees. Yeah. But that's just like, doesn't make any, and there's no biology class or, um, um, there's, there's no college course that teaches you that the world was covered in trees. Yep. Like Africa is not covered in trees. The breadbasket of, of the world was not covered in trees. Ukraine. That's not, that's not how it works. So, yep. Yep. but people don't want to hear that. Nope. No, they're well, like, cause they have their ideology. Loggers, loggers are bad. So the world was covered in trees and now they're the enemy because they're the reason that the world is not covered in trees anymore. Yep. And those assholes fucked my dad's business over. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, John, we're hitting that mark. Uh, this Where is we're a, told to stop. Yeah. This is a good conversation and, um, and I appreciate you. And I just want to remind our listeners, this is a value for value podcast, which means that if you got any value out of this, or if you listened even this far, consider sending us some uh, donation. And you can do that mm-hmm. through balder-boys at getalby.com. That's G-E-T-A-L-B-Y.com. And you can send us some Satoshis that way. You can also um, send us some Satoshis from any of the fountain.fm or podverse and i suggest that you get a new podcast app get out of the legacy uh, apple google environments even spotify and come over to something that's even better one of the things that i appreciate about both um fountain fm and podverse is that there's chapters and there's clips so if there's something that we've said that people want to clip they can clip that um and they can share it with everybody but those are both really great apps. And uh, honestly, uh, Apple and Google, they don't care about you. They're just glad nope. that you're um, giving them all your information. Where these other podcasts, they want you to be in charge. Um, so again, you can go to newpodcastapps.net and look for a new podcast app. But I like Podverse and I like Fountain.fm. And both of them, uh, crypto you know, uh, which eventually our government will go to some form of digital currency. Most governments will go to some central bank digital currency, CBDC. You can look it up, CBDC. Um, you're going to need um, to be free of that. And the best way to do that is through cryptocurrency. So anyways, um, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners. We'd like to hear from you. We just don't yeah, want you to sure. be someone that just kind of listens and doesn't participate. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, you can leave us an email at balderdashboys. That's B-A-L-D-E-R-D-A-S-H boys at protonmail.com. You can find me at uh, No Agenda Social. 
as Sir West of the West Side at No Agenda Social or Wholesome Olson at noagendasocial.com. And uh, you can leave me a message. You can um, also just boost us and leave us a message there. There's so many opportunities, and we actually want to connect with our listeners. So if you're a listener and um, you want to comment or just say hi, we would love to talk to our listeners, especially if if you're only 40 strong, then that means it's uh, easy for us to connect with you and to talk to you. And if you're especially in the Washington State area, talk to us. Uh, let's meet up. Let's have a couple drinks. Let's have some conversation. I yeah, know, for sure. Um, and even, or even on the East Coast, if you're in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, and mm-hmm. John's over there working, I'm sure he would love to spend an evening with someone that listens to the show. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So please contact us and uh, we'll get the information out. And John, I love you. And I miss love you. Love you too, Wes. I really do. I miss you too. We'll see you next week. Yep. And uh, so I guess I guess we'll talk offline as to what our next episode is going to be all about. Mm-hmm. Baby. going to touch myself. Until I then, thank myself. you all for listening to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Fuck. <laughs>